Good morning, everyone. My name is Mark Rogozinski. I'm a senior advisor at CVS Health. I'm here with my colleague, Sherry Romano, who's a senior manager. And uh, thank you for coming today. Um, this is my fifth Tableau conference I've been to. Um, every year it gets a little bit bigger, uh, a little crazier, and uh, I enjoyed it every year, you know, more and more. So thanks for coming to our session. A um, couple thanks, thank yous. Thank you, Sherry, for joining me today for this. Um, first time I'm presenting at the conference, so if I have any nerves at all, this is my moment right now, so I'm going to get it out of the way. I also want to thank my wife, Jacqueline, for showing up, and my senior manager, Nanaka Vinsami, and Viji as well for coming, so thank you. Uh, today our presentation is about CBS's data culture. Our uh, title is, When You're the Size of a Small Country, All Data is Big. And we're going to talk about why we labeled that for our presentation. Our agenda today, we're going to cover a couple of different items. Um, who are we and why data is integral to our mission. Uh, ta Tableau today at CVS, uh, our growth of, of self-service analytics and how Tableau has helped us uh, evolve and transform our reporting landscape. We're also going to go through some of the insights, opportunities we've learned from throughout our journey from 2014 up to today. And we're also going to talk about where our data culture is and where it's going. Um, Sharon and I, as we were developing this, we talked about having a little more conversational style. So we are going to have some slides, but we're going to kind of interact and make it a little more uh, conversational um, for our audience, at least. So, so with that said, Let's see if this is working. Nice. There you go. Yeah, this is going to be more Saturday night live coffee talk than typical presentation. Yes. So. So we didn't bring coffee for everyone else, but we have ours. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, um, I'm going to walk through this first slide a little bit, and um, Sherry, I want you to chime in a little bit on this as well. So who is CVS? Who is CVS? We're a Fortune Top 10 company. We have 295,000-plus employees. Um, so I guess to put that in perspective, because I was looking online, at least, at some reporting out there, I think we're larger than about 30 small countries, roughly. So we're pretty vast. Um, our mission statement is helping our customers on their path to better health for each and every person that works at CVS. Oh, that's okay. A little bump. Looking at some of the numbers, though, when Sherry was, and I were talking about the slide, um, it kind of made me take a step back. We have 92 million customers on the PBM side, 62 million extra care members, uh, 22 million um, medical benefits members, and we're servicing 5 million customers a day just at the pharmacy. So when we were walking through the slide yesterday, and one, one question I asked you, Sherry, is you see that. I mean, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What it says to me is that we have a huge opportunity. We have a huge opportunity to make a difference in the healthcare experience for our customers and for our members on a daily basis. Five million people a day come into our stores. And... So that's, when your mission is to help people on their path to better health, that's what you want to look at. It's like, if we're going to be interacting people with every, every day, what can we do to make things better for them? So it's looking at knowing your members, for one thing, like knowing who your customers are, um, what their experience is, where, how much time do they spend online, what are they spend, when, when, they're in the, when they're in the stores. Um, and then when you know your customers, then you can figure out ways to help them. And obviously, that's where data and analytics comes in. Yeah. 
So I guess walking from there, though, let's give everyone a little perspective, because I know when we talked yesterday about scaling and looking at where we started out at and where we're at today. So can you give, I guess, the audience kind of a perspective from a scale? I know this slide kind of gives out the numbers, but. Yeah, it, it was a pretty explosive growth for us. Um, in 2014, uh, this didn't exist. So in 2014, when someone wanted to do, um, do reporting, if someone needed to uh, understand more about the data that we have at our, at our disposal, that was an ad hoc um, IT request. Or it was a plan for a report that you budgeted for a year in advance, and you have an IT project to deliver that report. Um, and it also required that you had a vision of what you wanted the outcome to be before you had the opportunity to see the data. Um, so to go from that to today, where we have, um, on the CVS side of our business, we have over 1,000 desktop pro licenses. Uh, we have a 44-core server. Um, our, our, our server environment is performance-based, so it's, we, have, we have core server licensing. Um, we actually have two distinct clusters, one on the east, one on the west. Uh, we have... Um, it's an on-premises installation, so we manage our environment through self-managed sites, and we have about 50 of those. So there's about 50 different business groups across our company who each have their own site. They have their own site administrators, and we have a process in place to manage that and provide insight while giving people the flexibility to own their content um, and support their audience. We have over 10,000 people in that audience um, across those two clusters. Uh, so, and, and Aetna um, has a comparable footprint. So about the same size server, uh, about the same number of, um, of desktop pro licenses. And uh, so it's a pretty, it, it's very widespread across our um, organization. So as I mentioned, historically, reporting was primarily IT managed. Uh, and as the demand for data and, and, and insights grew, uh, the current in, the infrastructure wasn't there to support it. And it was actually, the ad hoc requests were actually starting to overwhelm the IT resources. So Tableau was actually introduced to CVS through our IT organization. Um, it actually, we introduced Tableau at a data and analytics summit. That was an event we used to host, an internal summit, um, each year where we brought in people from across the organization um, and we would talk about um, topics of interest to people um, within, the, within the company and um, what we were doing in this arena. Um, when I first started at CVS, I was in a group called the BPC Data and Analytics Initiative that's a business planning committee, data and analytics initiative. It was a pilot program for data and analytics. Ten years ago, it didn't exist. So it tells you how fast things are moving in that direction. Um, we have a, a, a chief data officer of CVS, a chief analytics officer. That didn't exist ten years ago either. Um, so... When we introduced Tableau, it was at one of these, a summit, and it was two guys, um, <laughs> the salesperson and a sales support person, came not knowing what to expect. They're out there at a little vendor table, and inside we had um, our data scientist who 
Not that you need an astrophysicist from Harvard, but we had one, so he did the initial presentation. He threw it together between the reception the night before, the welcoming reception, and the presentation that day using Tableau, and he so floored everyone in the room that when we had a break, everybody in that room poured out and headed for the Tableau table. Um, and which they were probably not particularly prepared for, <laughs> but they were. That started the first demo, and it never stopped. Um, we started with a hundred desktop pro licenses, and my directive from my boss, who was the chief analytic, well, became the chief analytics officer, was uh, let's offer it to people, seed these licenses among different business groups, but ask them to provide their use cases. What will you do with this if we give it to you? What value does this have the potential to bring? Those 100 licenses were gone within a month, and people were already starting to see the results. That, the summit was in March. The licenses were gone by the beginning of May, so needless to say, we bought more of those. Um, by the end of the year, the value derived from um, deploying Tableau was so dramatic that we fast-tracked to Tableau server. No pilots, no, we just went and went for the server license. And we had it set up by the end of the year. So in less than a year, and in an organization our side, anything, any time you can do something in less than a year, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's an accomplishment. So by January 1st of 2015, we were on a roll. We started with a 12-core license. So getting to 44, you can see how fast um, that was, how fast we accomplished that. Um, and one of the driving factors was, since we collected every use cases from the beginning, you have to track your use cases. You really want to be able to demonstrate that the value you thought you were going to realize, you've actually realized. Um, we published something for our organization called the Data and Analytics Digest. And it was, we had an entire issue dedicated to Tableau. So by the end of the year, we had a full journal full of people saying, we, uh, a financial group that said um, 10 to 100 times faster insights than what they were doing before. Um, one group saying we were able to increase our capacity to support our users, our audience, by 240%. So that's the kind of experience you want to have. We had um, our retail group, took, they took it and ran with it right from the beginning. Because when you're moving 4 billion items through supply chain in a year, any efficiencies you can achieve, the most anything, is worth a bundle. I, I mean, it's million. Everything is in the millions. So um, it wasn't hard to justify uh, moving forward with this um, way beyond a pilot. So, um, actually, you want to, and oh, I did want to point out one thing. Um, someone contributed to one of those data and analytics digest experiences. Who would that be? I don't know. It was me. Um, <laughs> so, early on, as Sherry was explaining the growth as things transformed, I remember having a conversation with you, Sherry, when I was first asking to get Tableau and get on Tableau server, and you gave me the apartment uh, conversation about being on the server and what it meant and how you can affect this environment because this environment was vastly growing, as you mentioned, where we went from 100 licenses to... It was 400 within 
within the year, within a year, yeah. Yeah, so there was a, a vast growth. So, um, but during that time period, uh, after I got it and we worked with my group, uh, we came up with um, a dashboard for our uh, prior authorizations area. And it gave insights to the group that allowed problems to be fixed faster. And it was something that was rapid versus the group waiting to see their reporting and other methods were able to deploy it fast. So there was instant benefit um, on our initial phase and rollout. So um, I was happy to be one of your first. Well, and when you can reduce the overhead for prior authorizations, what are you doing? Helping our customers. On their path to better health. That's right. That's right. So um, it was you know, a neat experience, obviously, that we were as you guys were transforming things from an organizational perspective, and it was growing from a self-service perspective. So mm -hmm. seeing that growth happen so fast um, was not only a neat thing, it was um, we were also, as you mentioned, helping our customers in different ways that we weren't before. So. Now, and one of the other use cases um, at the end of that year, um, in 2015, was it 15, 16, it's 15. 14, 2014 is when CVS Health made the decision to pull tobacco products from our stores. Um, that didn't happen in a vacuum. One of the use cases that is in our data and analytics digest was from our real estate analytics group, who t was able to demonstrate how we could... Um, the financial models are done based for years based on tobacco sales. And when you pulled that out, that was a $2 billion decision. And it was a decision made for the sole reason that it was the right thing to do. But that being said, you still have to know. You have to know what the impact is going to be. Um, the real estate group used Tableau to project regionally where, where our store is going to have the biggest impact. How do we alter our forecasts for those stores? How do we... Um, adapt to this new financial environment. Um, and Tableau was one of the early enablers of that. So, so Sherry, I think one of the things that you and I talked about is with this growth came a lot of opportunities um, for, you know, things we learned from pretty much. And I think, I think it's also important to talk about that from that perspective as well. Well, actually, one thing I did want to mention um, when I talk about the value as it was recognized um, by our leadership, um, right in front here, what I have is uh, what's a breakthrough award. Um, at CVS Health, um, the CEO, Larry Merlot, if anybody is familiar with CVS, you might have seen him either on TV, inter TV interviews or um, on the Financial News Network. Um, our deployment of Tableau won um, a, a breakthrough award. Um, and it's something that's done, you know, everybody doesn't get one. You could go a whole career without having one. And it's broadcast across uh, uh, 17 locations when we have our, have, have our town meeting. Um, and the person that I won this with, um, his name is Chuck Markham. He is in our data architecture organization. It was the first time someone in data architecture, someone in IT, was recognized with a breakthrough award. They'd never won one before. So this is an indication of how something that would traditionally have been in the IT domain impacted business so dramatically that it was recognized across the organization. So the first thing we learned when you're going to deploy something 
that you can clearly see is going to take off like a rocket. You have to have a plan. Um, when we started with Tableau Server, we needed a way to communicate to people. Would people just say, I need access to Tableau? We had to be able to explain to them what the component products are and how it's going to be managed. That Tableau Desktop Pro, that's what for people who have access to data and are going to be creating reports and dashboards for an audience, you need Tableau Desktop Pro. Um, if you want to be able to share that with an audience, you have two options. You can, if your audience has Tableau Reader installed, they can get, that's free, they can use it offline, you can send things out. That's not your, it's not obviously the most efficient way of distributing information, and it means every time you change something, you have to send it out again. So that's where Tableau Server comes in. Um, we described it to people that um, our chief analytics officer owns an apartment complex. Owns an, I'm going to wave my hands. Uh, owns an apartment <laughs> complex, and he appointed me as the property manager. So each business team that wants an apartment in our apartment building, they're applying for a site on Tableau Server, and they're going to appoint two, two people on that lease. That's their site administrators. They're responsible for the behavior and the, the content of what's going to their apartment. They decide who they're going to invite to their site. Uh, so each, and we tell them, it's like this is a self-managed site. We will have a server administrator. Your site administrators can work with our server administrator. Um, we will set you up with um, a specific number of users and everybody gets a certain amount of space. Um, it's, it's flexible. You can come back. If, you, if the use cases that you provided us when you applied for a site on Tableau Server evolve and you need more space or you need more users, you just come back to us and we'll talk. That gives us an opportunity to monitor what people are doing and without really impacting the delivery of that content because they are, in essence, responsible for it. So it, it was an uh, analogy that worked for people, and we also qualified that by saying, you know, this is an apartment complex. What you do impacts everybody in the adjoining apartments. So as long as you behave and what you do doesn't impact anyone else, we're not going to give you, we're going to leave you alone, and you're going to, we'll, we'll give you the information you need. Um, we will um, monitor our server performance. We'll make sure it's available for you but what you do impacts other people. So we do reserve the right that if someone um, does something that would impact server performance, we can intervene. Someone had that happen once. Yes, not naming any names. <laughs> um, part of the things we do with that though as well and as we've grown, so internally some of the things we do to help our site administrators is we have a site administrator meeting generally about once every other week um, I'm a part of that, I'm one of the site administrators, and we talk about best practices. We talk about what's going on from a uh, server health check perspective, things administrators should be doing, because this environment has grown so much and continues to grow that, you know, as Sherry mentioned, there is a system admin, but it's one person with 70-plus sites, um, which is pretty vast. So we do that. We also have um, an internal tablet user group for publishers as well who are contributing to these sites. I lead that user group. We have about roughly what, a thousand members mm -hmm. who attend it. Roughly, um, Sherry, when she reached out for me to partake in that, I was already leading the user group, co-leading the user group in Cleveland at a much smaller scale. 
of about two to 300 people. So having 1,000 people on a WebEx is a, was a learning experience, but it's been pretty productive so far. And uh, we've had help from Tableau specifically as well on leading those initiatives with education. So thanks, Mike, for doing that. But um, I think, you know, as you mentioned, Sherry, each site with administrators is very important to maintain the environment that we have. So it is performance, uh, it performs well and productive for all of our users. In, in our environment, um, we encourage people to do extracts as opposed to um, live connections. It allows us to uh, make sure that people are, are optimizing how they're querying the data so that it doesn't impact the underlying data sources. And if actually what Tableau does is reduce the impact to the underlying data sources because you can use the same extract in, mul in multiple ways. People will um, publish their data um, to Tableau server, and then you can connect multiple dashboards to that. And we encourage people to do re refresh the data only at the cadence at which the data actually changes. So if you publish um, your data embedded in your report, and your report has multiple data sources, and some things change once a day, and some things change once a month, um, and you're refreshing it once a, once a day, that's not the most efficient way to go about doing it. So we do share those types of best practices with people to make sure that we're getting the most out of our server licensing. Um, and it's been very effective. Um, we, every new site administrator goes through site a one-hour site administrator training. Um, the thing that we want to emphasize is that they're also, each person is responsible for compliance, um, and which leads us into um, some of our best practices. Yes, one of your favorite sayings that you would say to me periodically is, just because you can doesn't mean you should, and um, I'm sure you always would give some good examples of what that was, so I'm not going to steal your thunder on that, so <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> just because you can doesn't mean you should, yes. Um, just when you look at, well, for one thing, some of the things that people will try to do is um, mimic uh, a live connection by doing an extract every 30 seconds. Um, that's, you can, not good. We, yeah. we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll kill off things like that. Yep. Um, we'll say that just because um, you have a Tableau license, it doesn't mean you're a data scientist. It means that you have a lot of the same access and, and, and tools at your disposal, but the training that comes with, um, with, with data science degrees or, data, or analytics degrees, uh, it, it does matter. Or the experience working with it, it does count. Methodology counts. Best practices count. Um, it's in what we find with Tableau um, is that your data visualization is going to be, one, as good as the data you're visualizing. So you can be an expert at creating a report or a dashboard, but you need to have equal expertise with the data you're feeding into, that, into those reports and dashboards. Because otherwise you will be presenting people with very compelling but incorrect insights. So that's important. Um, we want people to, we insist that people um, adhere to best practices and compliance guidelines. In a company like CVS, we have multiple lines of business. We have um, our pharmacy, uh, our PBM, which is our pharmacy benefit management business. Um, and that pharmacy benefit management business works with a lot of different pharmacies, not just CVS retail pharmacies. 
And that data has to be secure. And, and our customers need to know that when they negotiate with CVS, when they work with CVS, that they're being treated fairly and that um, those guidelines are adhered to um, all the time, 100%. And, and, and that's important at CVS. When, you, when people are, um, are retail pharmacies, they work with multiple PBM customers. They need to know that the data that they're, they're working with and the, at the negotiations that they have are being treated um, fairly, that they're being treated fairly, and we make sure that happens. So with Tableau, it's like just because, again, that the just because you can doesn't mean you should. People are still held to things like um, making sure that the people they're sharing information with are supposed to be shared with. Um, we have it um, integrated with our Active Directory. So uh, when people log on to Tableau Server, it knows who they are, um, it knows what data they have access to, and what they have permission to see. So again, something strongly encouraged. Um, we encourage people to use Active Directory groups when they're adding people to their Tableau Server sites. Um, that means so that when they're giving permissions, when they're adding people to a site, um, and people have similar permissions, they're in a similar position, then you can maintain who has access to your site and to your content that way. Okay. So I think you kind of jumped into it, which is a great segue. So I think governance, from what you're saying pretty much, is something that we've learned as we've grown is really needed across the board because in then, since we're such a vast organization, um, having those structures in place, those guidelines and, I guess, guardrails is what's going to ensure not just the integrity, but also what's in the best interest of our customers and CPS as a whole. So Tableau was the opened the door to self-service analytics um, at CVS, but there were some other elements that followed. Um, it really does shine a light on um, some of the things you're going to need in your organization as you go down this path. Um, metadata management, data governance, governance. Having a tool in place that, that provides the ability for knowledge sharing among the different groups who are going to be accessing the same data sources. Um, it's, it's important because data that's been collected over years, years ago, data analytics didn't exist. Um, data was collected more for um, archiving. You archived it. It wasn't the means, the mechanism for collecting it wasn't necessarily with the vision of using it someday for analytics. So you do need um, tools to be able to make your data consumable. Um, so data governance, data cataloging, data wrangling, data wrangling tools. And as you get, go down that path, the skill levels that are required that you want people to have also um, increase. You, you need to make sure, again, with the just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, make sure that the people who are manipulating your data know the data and they know how to do it. Um, make sure that people are sharing the knowledge that you know who, the, who the stewards are of particular data sources. And if there are any questions, that they know who to go to. No, I think, I mean, as you talk about that, it just makes me think because we had such rapid growth when Table came on board, and it kind of democratized the use of data. To, so to your point, it was being put in the hands of many people. So understanding who was using it, making sure they had the skill set, um, and understand the rules around what we were doing uh, to ensure the integrity of 
of our success as we headed down that path. Even today, five, um, all these years later, every new site request is reviewed by our, our, our chief, chief data and analytics officer. We look at the use cases. We want to see whether there's overlap between different groups who are working with the same data and if there's some synergy that could be achieved by bringing people together. Um, and we also want to make the point that it doesn't replace, self-service analytics doesn't replace scalable enterprise reporting. Um, it can be a shortcut, it can be a pilot for it, but once you have something that's repeatable, it makes sense to have an IT process in place to manage it. Because the other thing you will learn with Tableau Server over time is that um, people come and go, uh, resources come and go, and if you're relying on a person to keep a process or a reporting going, then you have a little bit of a risk factor there. Uh, whereas if you turn it over to IT for um, Processes being built. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I mean, I think that's a critical call out um, because you can build really cool dashboards with Tableau um, and everything that's there, but there's also the other pieces around it. You mentioned the data wrangling and all those pieces. So if someone does build that infrastructure, and to your point, if they were to go, it could cause a ripple effect to the process. So in some cases, to your point, I think the IT solution would be the way to go to ensure that integrity and structure. Absolutely. So, so with that said, I guess, and we've talked about this a lot from a culture perspective, where do you see our data culture going? Because there's a lot of, the Tableau itself was a catalyst for many things, but where do you see it going from there? Well, first, um, the dynamic has changed. It used to be you were either in business or you were in IT. Um, now there's really a, a third spoke on that wheel. It's like that's data and analytics. That's where we have data scientists and data engineers who are really working with IT and the business partners, being that bridge between the two so to deliver insights for the business. Um, we're actually working very hard, and, and it's, it, it's an ongoing challenge, to build a skilled workforce of data engineers and data scientists. We can't even keep up with the demand at this point. So we're very interested um, in letting people understand what the data culture is like at CVS and to understand that we are very quickly becoming um, an, an AI-driven enterprise. Um, we have, have um, deployed some tools that are making a huge difference. Um, it's helping us move along the analytics maturity model. Um, in, in the beginning, geez, I can't even see that far. Um, in the beginning, <laughs> you're, you're reporting on things that happened in the past. That's what, that, that's what your IT and that's what, you're, that's what you're doing. It's like, then there's ad hoc reporting, investigative analytics. And it's like, so we, that's where Tableau walked in the door. It's like people can do their own reporting. And then what you're really doing is predictive analytics. Okay, so now we know, we know what happened in the past. We can analyze why it happened, and we can see what path we're going down. We can predict what's going to happen um, down the road. But now you get to the point where it's prescriptive analytics. How do you change what's going to happen? Um, CVS committed as committed as we are to helping people on their path to better health, we share the same concerns that everyone else shares in this country about both the cost and the availability of high-quality health care. And um, one of the ways you can help change that environment is to actually help people stay healthier. And what do you think one of the biggest 
um, controllable factors in that is? If you had to guess. You're putting me on the spot here. Um, if it starts with an A. <laughs> a. There's lots of A's. Analytics. How about adherence? Adherence, see. So when you have, <laughs> we have when you have people have to access healthcare, they they have a, a depending on the therapy, um, the category of 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 condition or condition that they have, it's like there are, are uh, therapies prescribed for them, and one of the ways to keep people healthiest is to keep them adherent to prescribed therapies. And so to do that, first you have to understand what are the barriers. Sometimes it's cost, sometimes it's um, just confusion, sometimes it's, it's forgetfulness, sometimes it's um, a reaction to particular medications. That's where if you can analyze and understand your customer base, you know what their challenges are going to be and you have an opportunity to make things better for them. Um, and oh, I thought you were going to say something. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so again, that's where the prescriptive analytics comes in. So we've developed, we're constantly developing programs for our customers um, and finding ways to, de to, to deploy those programs. We're using machine learning and artificial intelligence programs to help us build the models to most effectively communicate with our customers on the terms that they want to be communicated, knowing how, where they respond best, what their barriers are, and how we can help them. So when Sharon and I initially talked about coming to the conference to speak, um, and you mentioned to me like this quote from Gardner Analytics that 85% uh, of big data projects fail. And um, you mentioned there's ways to defy those odds. So um, I know we have these bullet points here, but I want you to talk at least, you know, You've mentioned a lot about our data culture, where we're heading and everything else, but with all those pieces, you know, how are we and how can others defy that stat? Because that's a pretty large stat to sit there and look at, you know, 85% failure rate. So what do you, I guess, what are your thoughts around that? Well, um, I would say that there are definitely some factors in there that you can control. Um, if you don't know what success looks like, you can't achieve it. Um, it is, in our culture, Boy, is it hammered home every day. You have to understand what your success metrics are. When you're approaching any project, you have to know what success looks like. It might seem like it's intuitive. You might think everyone's in agreement. But if you haven't explicitly defined what your success metrics are, you can't get there. And you have to understand another big factor, opportunity. What is the opportunity? If you are successful, what will you have achieved? Um, when at CVS, um, we identify blue-chip initiatives every year. Th these are the things that are most important to our organization to achieve. And everyone who works at CVS should understand how what they're doing on a daily basis in one way, shape, or form supports those blue-chip initiatives. So when you're looking at doing, pro doing projects, it's a matter of saying, what are the blue-chip initiatives that this supports? What is the opportunity for the organization if we achieve it? What are the risks if we don't? And are there time schedules involved? It's like if you're starting a project that can only be successful if it's delivered in six months, but you can see that it can't possibly be done for nine months, then why are you doing it? You have to be able to have each of those factors identified in advance or you can't be successful. So as you mentioned that, so obviously then, then picture is really important and prioritizing or clearly defining that um, leads to the success. But you've also mentioned things like stakeholders, like how are they playing a factor, a role in that? Why are they important? 
a lot of, well, big data projects um, generally encompass a lot of different groups. Data and analytics plays a big part in that. IT plays a big part in that. Then you have your business stakeholders. You have to know what their requirements are and where this project fits among their priorities. You may think you have a really good understanding of the prioritization, and you do have it for within your own group, but you can deliver on every element of your own project, and if the business group or if the IT group, if it's not at the same priority level for them, that's going to undermine your ability to reach the success at the end. And we do want to make sure that you have locked-in stakeholder agreement on that. It's like you can upfront decide that this is a priority project and know what, what initiative you're supporting, but you don't necessarily know what other projects other groups are involved in. So just make sure you've got that locked in and everybody's on the same page. So like the last bullet point here talks about aligning supporting infrastructure and, and obviously identifying the gaps. So like what does that truly mean though? I, I missed, you right, I missed one in there. So, so <laughs> I guess backing up then. So with, with data, um, understanding the scope, I think you kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, I guess how else would you define that though? Um, there can be a presumption when you're dealing with um, data projects that you understand what your starting point is. Um, but data, the quality and the accessibility of data can vary tremendously. Um, I can, like, for an example, you may be thinking that your project starts with someone building models to deliver a particular to um, deliver a certain program for your customers or for your for, for members in our case. Um, but it may be the case that there is a very large step that has to happen first that's making the data consumable before it can be modeled. And if you don't have a clear understanding of what data is going to be um, included in your project, that's going to impact your ability to be successful. You're right, because I think in the end, you know, we're trying to answer questions with our data. And if we don't have the appropriate scope or perspective of that data, you can't answer your questions. So I think um, before you build out a tablet dashboard, I always tell people it's all about your data. If you make sure you have the proper data, if it's cleansed, if it has the integrity that you want to it, you're going to be able to properly answer those questions effectively in any of the projects we deliver out. Right. So, so I guess you know, getting to the last bullet point, which I jumped into um, on aligning the infrastructure. You know, I know we talked about that a little bit, and it's not as a simple, straightforward answer. But like, what do you mean by the alignment of infrastructure? You know, you know, identifying the gaps and resources required around it. Um, Wes, you, for especially when you're introducing new technology, um, there is going to there are going to be infrastructure requirements, and infrastructure generally involves groups outside your the business team or outside even data and analytics, and you need to make sure that you can deliver on the infrastructure to support the project moving forward before you can before you can start a project, and you also have to make sure that you have the resources. Um, available who are um, familiar or educated or expert. You need the subject matter expertise as you introduce um, new I, technology also. I didn't do that. That just beeped. You didn't do that. No. So, you know, I, I know we've covered a lot here. We've covered our data culture. We've covered our size and scope that's out there. Um, obviously, our mission statement for everyone that works at CVS is helping our customers down their path to better health. And um, I would like to make one point. We talk about CVS's commitment to that mission. Data and analytics at CVS Health is under our chief medical officer. 
we really do believe that what we're doing is in support of helping our patients and our customers on their path to better health. Um, it's not what we're doing every day is with that in mind. It's not, it's not under marketing. It's not under IT. It's under our chief medical officer. So what, I guess with all that said, is what's, I mean, what's the one thing you want the audience to take away when they walk away outside of the mission statement? Um, I would like people to know that CVS Health is changing the healthcare landscape. And we would love to have people participate in that with us. We would love to hear from you. If you have a background, um, and, and bring us your talents. Um, data engineering, data science, talk to us. Come to our website. Um, look at the opportunities that are available. We'd love to hear from you.